Hey everybody, and welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I'm John. I'm joined here by Jared. As always, we are ready to talk about some what if. We finally got the the debut of Marvel Studios' first animated series this week. And we're we're reacting to this one the night of. So I mean, <laughs> you like me, Jared, have probably just watched it a few hours ago, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was just a as soon as I got home from work, basically the first thing I did. Yeah, gonna gonna be exciting discussion as always. I'm sure it'll get very lively. Um, <laughs> we we said before the show that we have less to talk about with this one as uh, like compared to how we discuss some of the live action shows. But knowing us, we'll we'll ramble for a good hour on it. <laughs> <laughs> In one way or another, we'll we'll be picking apart like frame by frame things that happen that will just run into rampant speculation that yep is never gonna happen just never gonna occur yep isn't that isn't that just the way <laughs> so i guess before we do that let's uh let's hit some of the news this week and there was a there was a decent amount of news including some stuff that we missed uh last week so um one of the the pieces of news that broke last week that we had kind of overlooked was uh michaela cole has been cast in black panther wakanda forever um, I'm not sure exactly what the role is, um, and I'm not really familiar with her work, but one of the things she's most known for um, recently is a uh, called I May Destroy You. Uh, she was actually played the lead role in that, was also the creator, writer, director, and producer. <laughs> so um, multi-talented uh, star in the making, I'm sure. Yeah, that, that's been on my backlog for quite a while now, and I've been... Uh, really been it, it. I know it got a lot of acclaim toward the end of last year, mm-hmm. so I've re- it's really been it's really been on my radar. I really need to watch it. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, definitely going to be something to check out. I, I always like kind of going back through the backlog of some new MCU characters. Always fun. Um, but I mean, with a uh, casting happening for Wakanda Forever naturally the internet just starts to speculate on mutants and fantastic four and just everything under the sun um one of the biggest speculations was that she would potentially be playing storm personally i don't see it happening i don't think this is really the movie to introduce storm in (laughs) no that's that's a little uh untasteful tasteless yeah i mean i I think i have a feeling this uh, for wakanda forever is going to be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa in in a way, and it would just feel so weird and out of place to introduce a mutant into this world in in this entry, especially one of the biggest mutants in terms of name, right? Like right. name recognition, <laughs> like that. Right. That would be very distracting from what this movie is going to be about, and I, I just don't see that happening. So I'm sure it'll be, you know, a kind of a character that in the comics might have a smaller role or maybe is in one or two runs, but they kind of elevate, elevate her through this role. So um, I'm definitely excited to see who she's going to end up playing, but I, I personally don't think it's storm. So I might want to hit the brakes on the hype train for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so another, uh, another interesting piece of news and these, these next two pieces of news are kind of MCU adjacent. I guess would be the best word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Related to Deadpool 3, um, Sean Levy, who is the director of Free Guy, which is Ryan Reynolds' latest movie, kind of hinted this week that he may direct Deadpool 3. He basically said, um, when asked about it, he said he shouldn't answer the question, basically. So um, <laughs> to me, that was a pretty pretty dead on hint that he's at least you know considering it or in discussions to do it especially with the ryan reynolds connection right i mean he's the the guy's got um the guy's got a huge comedy background too um you mentioned free guy he's known for the night of the museum movies uh he did real steel he did date night which was that steve carell and tina fey movie from back in 2010 Mm. i remember watching that 2010 that's 11 years old (laughs) Oh my, it's 11 oh, years no. old. <laughs> I saw that in theaters. <laughs> oh my. Um, he did the internship with Vince Vaughn and, and Owen Wilson. Uh, and he, I mean, he, I forgot he did Starman too, which was a, uh, it's a David, or no, I'm sorry. I ignore me. I thought that was a David Bowie biopic. That's something completely different. Um, but yeah, he's, he has a comedy background. I've heard I heard uh, somebody talk about what they want to see Deadpool three do. And one of the things I thought was interesting was the first Deadpool was kind of a parody of rom-coms in, in a way. The second one was a, was a family film. It, it actually was a family movie. But so I heard somebody mention that they wanted like a parody of documentaries in this in some form interesting and like an office style yeah like could you imagine them taking Micah on should Dick- direct it and have it like uh be like those <laughs> thor shorts that came out before Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know just okay, take well, on, just it, it take on like different genres in one way or another uh, no, I, think, too, I, I, I am noticing a common thread with Sean Levy's work, though, between, you know, Night at the Museum and the internship. And that common thread is Owen Wilson. So yes. now I'm thinking, what if Deadpool gets picked up by the TVA <laughs> as a variant and we have like a, a buddy adventure movie with him and Mobius to get him into the prime uh, sacred timeline? <laughs> you want to know what else Sean Levy did? Uh, what else did he do? Big fat liar. Yep. We're going to get blue Paul Giamatti in here as well. <laughs> We're going to pull him out of another portion of the timeline and throw him in here. Oh, man. <laughs> Deadpool in the TVA now in my head just sounds really awesome. <laughs> it it It's too good to pass up. Yeah. Just how, how would they even deal with him? They would probably just prune him right away, right? Like They would be so He can't annoyed. die, though. Yeah. You can't die. Well, so what do you do? Yeah. What do you do with somebody who can travel through time and not die? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And we've already seen in Deadpool 2 that the rules of uh, time travel in that universe are not the same as the <laughs> rules in the MCU. So No. Uh we will <laughs> we will see how how this plays out. I mean, Deadpool could really literally just ignore canon and he could look at the screen and tell you that he's ignoring the canon of his previous films you know and then you just go <laughs> on with it because i mean that's that's the fun of this like he could literally the movie could start he could just say i'm in the mcu now like in the opening <laughs> credits and that's that's all you need right like right so i i think they could do it with a little explanation but they also could have a lot of fun with it using like quantum realm shenanigans and 
and the TVA and whatever they would want to do. But interesting. I, I think Sean Levy would be a, a good choice. I've seen actually a lot of positive reviews for Free Guy, which surprised me. I, I yeah, didn't so think why? I thought it would be kind of panned. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the trailers, I didn't have high expectations, but now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I'm really yeah. curious. Yep, definitely, definitely intriguing. So the next story I mentioned uh, that this one would also be kind of MCU adjacent, adjacent, but uh, this this is part of the SPUMC, which is the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. Um, <laughs> the uh, the director of Mobius, Mobius, the director of Morbius, <laughs> actually <laughs> let it slip that uh, Tom Hardy's in the film. Uh, and the reason we kind of put this in here is because it, it almost feels inevitable that these characters are going to meet with Tom Holland Spider-Man at some point. Um, you know, we've had the the first trailer for Morbius showed that Michael Keaton is in the film as as Vulture, presumably. Um, so it seems they're building towards something over at Sony. We don't know what that is because it seems like No Way Home might hit like a Sinister Six type thing. So I, I don't know what they're building towards, but it is funny the way it was the way it was leaked. He was kind of talking about being in awe at the call sheet uh, for the film. And he was like, when you look down and see names like Michael Keaton, Jared Leto and Tom Hardy, it's it's hard not to be like a starstruck <laughs> or something. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I genuinely wonder how Sony lets this much information get out. Like you would think that they would want to keep the Michael Keaton thing under wraps until it's it's out. I wonder if that was like a, a last ditch effort by some guy quitting Sony of hey, we're just gonna throw this in the trailer and put it out before they can <laughs> before they could say anything. <laughs> I think it's more like, hey, we're part of the MCU, like them just kind of shouting at people, like but- just trying to confuse the general audience. <laughs> Into, into seeing their to, movie about the vampire leads to panic in in like the rest of the community yeah <laughs> of, of how why what nobody yeah. wanted this nobody asked for morbius nobody like nobody asked for jared more jared leto i don't understand yeah i mean it has potential it, it's it's just it does they are clearly just trying to kind of ride the coattails of the mcu and venom was okay that, movie, that film was okay let there be carnage it looks pretty cool so we'll, yeah. we'll kind of see how it shakes out. I think you and I are planning on doing a, a review of Let There Be Carnage once that's once that is released, because, yeah. uh, like I said, eventually it pretty much is part of the, the multiverse at this point. right? <laughs> like, or pretty much. What's funny, though, is that Daniel Espinosa, the director of uh, Morbius, um, he did a movie back in 2017 called Life that was about these astronauts up on or up in like, the International Space mm-hmm. Station who get like trapped with this little uh, virus thing or like this little goo yeah. or little alien life form that like slowly takes them over. That was always rumored to be a Venom prequel, like before it came out. Yeah, the I remember fan base that. like latched onto that right away. That and, was the Ryan Reynolds movie, right? Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. And like apparently the more and uh Jake Gyllenhaal, uh apparently mm-hmm. the um and Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, apparently like the um, the fan base believed it was going to be a Venom prequel. So 
Maybe Espinosa was on to something without knowing. <laughs> Could be. He's the architect of the Spumook or whatever it's called. Spump. Spump. <laughs> Everyone's got an acronym now. Everyone's got a gimmick. All right. So um, the next the next one gets into very heavy speculation territory, but it's fun speculation. Um, yeah. We haven't really speculated on one of these before, but this one seems like it's pretty much uh, hinting pretty heavily at something. So Marvel Studios filed a production LLC recently, and th- these are things they they file for all of their properties, Disney Plus films. And it's basically like the, the production company that that they set up for each individual film. And usually they kind of reference something about the character that's at the center of the film or the series. But for this one, they filed one called Richmond Street Productions. And this is this is kind of interesting because it's not tied to anything that we know of yet. Um, you know, every I think everything they've released in production has a or everything that they've announced has a production LLC associated to it or something that they've filed that we can kind of link up. So with this one being Richmond Street Productions, seems to heavily hint towards Ghost Rider. So follow me down the rabbit hole for a second. <laughs> um, Here we go. Richmond Street is a street in New York City, I believe in the Bronx. And on that street or near it is Cypress Hill Cemetery. And this cemetery is, you know, kind of just like a stone's throw away from the street. And the the cemetery has very close ties to uh, the Danny Ketch version of Ghost Rider. So uh, Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider was actually in this cemetery, witnessed a crime um, happening, tried to interrupt the crime, and he was with his sister. His sister got shot, they fled, and then he got possessed by the spirit of vengeance and became Ghost Rider. <laughs> so his origin kind of is in this cemetery. Um, the cemetery is also, in the comics, the home base of the Midnight Suns team. And we kind of know that a number of the the members of that group or the typical members of that group are already coming or here in the MCU. So, you know, some of the members of the Midnight Suns in the comics include Moon Knight, Doctor Strange, Blade, um, Ghost Rider, among among some other ones, Morbius, which isn't MCU yet, but he's part of that part of that group um, and his like recent turn towards antihero. So so this one's this one's interesting. I mean, I it's fun to speculate on. Ultimately, might just be something completely different. But uh, this seems to be kind of the consensus that it's hinting, if not towards the Ga- Danny Ketch version of Ghost Rider, then you know, a version of Ghost Rider. Yeah, that that all seems plausible. I wonder if this would be more the production company for some of the, if they're trying to lead into some darker MCU entries. Um, something I don't want to say grittier because I think I, I'm hoping we're moving out of that phase in in the movie industry. But <laughs> some uh, something something more along the lines of Blade or Ghost Rider or maybe or like we might get with uh, Multiverse of Madness something a little more uh, cerebral cerebral. Sorry if I can't say that correctly. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, and it kind of feels like they're they're building towards some sort of supernatural team, right? Like going into the darker territory with Doctor Strange, you know, Moon Knight, 
mm-hmm. um, kind of exist in the shadows, and then especially Blade. Um, there are also a lot of rumors recently. I, I haven't been able to pin down anything that's verifiable or from a super reliable source, but there's a lot of rumors about a werewolf by night series who also would be part of the Midnight Suns team. Right. So so it seems like they're kind of building out that side, the mystical uh, type side of, of the MCM. <laughs> so interesting, fun to speculate on, that's for sure. And then some... Uh, it's crazy that this all started in 2007 with Iron Man as a damble, and now we're possibly talking about a Midnight Suns team up. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Who would have? Who would have? Who would have guessed <laughs> that that we're going from "Please, sir, don't take my company" to "Please, kill the vampires." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Um, so the next piece is uh, kind of on the business side of Marvel Studios, but Brad Winterbaum has been promoted to the head of streaming, television, and animation at Marvel Studios. Um, so Brad Winterbaum was an executive producer on What If, Thor Ragnarok, Black Widow, and all of the previous one-shots that that they've done in the MCU. But I think what's interesting here is, you know, Foggy delegating some of the duties on the on the Disney Plus side down a little bit, especially in animation. Uh, and this kind of ties to our next news story. And we can kind of talk about these in, in tandem because they are pretty related. But uh, Marvel Studios confirmed today that they are planning more animated shows beyond what if. So that seems to tie pretty well to, you know, having someone to oversee all of that, as well as all of the, um, you know, Disney Plus series. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm trying to think of like what else you could do in an animated form. I mean, you could do anything in the animated form. Um, I mean, I have that Howard the Duck pitch I've been working on, but I, I would like to see a live action version of that play yeah, out. Yeah, Howard the Duck's actually <laughs> one of the first places my mind went. <laughs> yeah, with it as well. Yeah, I don't know. I. That uh, that I mean, you and I are thinking alike here, but I don't like the way I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I um, I racked my brain a little bit on this, and I I really think the way to do this would almost be kind of like a uh, the way Star Wars handles it, right? Like they have their live action stuff that kind of paves the way for the future, and then they fill gaps and kind of lay groundwork mm-hmm. in prequel animated shows. So, what I'd like to see is like. Could we get an an Avengers MCU animated show that shows, you know, the secret Avengers when they were working, um, you know, in between Black Widow and Infinity War? Or, you know, could we get something set in the in the gap between Guardians of the Galaxy volume two and Infinity War or something like that? Like, I I think a prequel could be a neat way to kind of kind of showcase you know, fill out the gaps that we have in the MCU. One uh, one interesting thing in the story about the more animated shows being planned is they also kind of hinted at the possibility of working with either Pixar or uh, Disney Animation Studios as well, kind of their in-house stuff. So that could be that could be intriguing. A Pixar Marvel joint production. I just yeah. What have we? What what world do we live in? <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, but you're not wrong, but 
I mean, I mean our work is just is, another Disney park. Home I is just another it. Disney park. Uh, it's a hotel. And... <laughs> why? I don't. Our cars don't are buses. <laughs> <laughs> I did see an interesting piece on on that when uh, apparently Walt Disney tried to like buy up all the when they were trying to buy up all of the property around Disney World and like build houses and like build housing plans in those areas uh how they were just trying to simulate what a suburban life would be like yeah <laughs> but, like all the prices are like triple what it would be if you actually just lived in suburbia <laughs> 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 um the only difference is you're buying from disney yeah um but the uh but yeah i just i i don't know i, I don't want to worship the mouse the rest of my life hey we talked last week about the uh the 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 pitch for a crossover Marvel Star Wars episode of What If? Yeah, hey, um, I I would like to corporate see corporate synergy, man. Corporate synergy. Corporate synergy <laughs> <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Better yet, all units of the business are aligned, sir. The, the Disney, the DCM. Oh, that sounds even worse. The, the Disney cr- crossover multiverse. Where we have, let's let's think here, Captain Carter, Luke Skywalker, Gordon yep. Ramsay, and Jeff Goldblum. Wait a minute. And and even better, Woody from Toy Story <laughs> all combine into one, all in one uh, property. Isn't that Kingdom Hearts? Yes. <laughs> yes, Disney. <Okay. laughs> I thought I remembered seeing Disney. Gordon Ramsay in there. <laughs> Disney is is pushing towards a Kingdom Hearts universe in real life. Oh, you know, I, I quit life <laughs> with all the billionaires launching themselves into space. I wouldn't be surprised if there's actually like a Little Mermaid themed planet somewhere in the galaxy <laughs> in the next like five hundred years, <laughs> owned by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> you can only sin when you go there. Oh boy. Those are deep cuts. Those are deep cuts. I don't know if all of our fans <laughs> are gonna understand the Kingdom Hearts references there. <laughs> oh my well, what if what if we get out of the news at this point and go into another multiverse and talk about what if? Let's do it. So what if episode one, our premiere episode is titled What If Captain Carter Were the First Avenger? They they do not think about the people that have to put these episode titles as podcast titles when they're naming no. these, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. I have not to uh, uh, abbreviate it when when we're titling this. <laughs> that was my like. Is it bad that that's my first thought? Like when I, know, I read I that title, I was like, oh How man, that's gonna not going to fit very well because I have to do like because well, the way that our our titling you you've seen it obviously if you're listening to this. Like we have to do what if, and then in quotes, what if, you know, uh, I'll <laughs> might might play around with the the titling for for the episodes of what if, but anyways, this, <laughs> yeah, yep. So this episode focused on the 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 moment that that caused this new multiverse or caused this new universe to happen was um, Peggy Carter basically staying downstairs during Steve's, um, for lack of a better word, transformation, I guess, mm-hmm. into Captain America. And 
I, I was a little fuzzy on this exact situation. I didn't remember her going upstairs in the first Avenger. I remember the whole the whole crew was upstairs. Okay. All the scientists and all the generals were upstairs because that's like whenever the um, the Hydra agent pulls out the lighter, he they're all sitting there. She's the one that notices it and like it mm-hmm. blasts out the window. So or he like jumps down the window, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. I believe um, that's how it happens. So I guess what what did you think of the episode? I don't think it's worth going scene by scene with this one no. as we typically do with the recaps because a lot of it kind of just followed the first Avenger. Yeah, I mean if you've seen the if you've seen the first Avenger, you've seen this episode. Um, the third act is the only thing that really changes in it. Um, overall, I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. I think it's a very savvy way of starting the show off of giving us a plot that we're already familiar with, and just changing one character. I like the fact that that most of the cast is back, even though I I think we do need to start with Jeffrey Wright as the watcher. Great choice already. Oh, fantastic. I mean, we don't have his name yet, but we know it's who ought to. Um, He's this very like Rod Serling Twilight Zone as narrator and like takes you up through the the MCU entry up until where the change happens and then just lets it go. Um and then pulls back out and says, <laughs> and says yeah. like, there are so many other realms of possibilities out here. So I think uh, making this a, uh, a pseudo Twilight Zone series is kind of savvy on Marvel's part. The uh, but overall, I thought the episode was okay. I thought some elements were, for lack of a better word, very cartoony. <laughs> like some of the some of the sexism in it is a little over the top. Yeah. I think part of that is like the breakneck speed of it all. It just felt yeah. like every every scene for Peggy was someone like being down on her because she's a woman. And, it, you right. know, like it, it just it, because they only put so many scenes in this and they go so quickly between them to cover so much ground. It's mm-hmm. like it, it just felt like it was happening constantly, which maybe that's how it actually was in the 40s and probably would actually be today still. But um yeah it just i i just thought it was a little odd that uh i shouldn't say odd but i thought it felt off that they just kind of assumed that you've seen the first avenger and that we're just hitting the highlights of what changed yeah i i get that to me it was like i would have liked one of two things i would have liked either the episode itself to be longer Mm -hmm. or them to cut out and some of the scenes and assume that we know more actually. <laughs> like, no, that's, that, that's very fair. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, they, uh, the one repeat scene I can think of that was like the biggest offender was when, um, red skull slash Schmidt first received the Tesseract like that, that shot while it was only a minute or two was exact with no changes. I think, um, yeah. from the first Avenger, we'll I say- guess maybe like they had to show, how um how hydra got the tesseract in case people had forgotten because let, let's be real i mean there's probably some people that haven't seen yeah that's true the first avengers since it came out so um i will say though it was i thought it was great bringing ross Marcan back to to do johan uh he was yeah. the one that played red skull in infinity war and in, endgame uh replacing hudo weaving he does a, he does a very good impression of hudo weaving yeah he does <laughs> I, it took me a second does. to realize it wasn't him. Um, one of my biggest complaints about this show is that 
not everybody is a voice actor. <laughs> um, yep. And I think Sebastian Stan is one yep. of the biggest offenders of that. <laughs> yeah. Poor Sebastian Stan. <laughs> I mean, they also didn't help him by giving him the worst lines in the entire episode. Yeah. All he had were quips. <laughs> right. Same with Neil McDonough with Dum Dum Duggan. Like, yeah, I thought he at least the Howling Commandos like, in general or like. Yeah, his and, delivery was better than than Sebastian Stan's, though, at least at least to me. The Sebastian Stan's were really bad. <laughs> Yeah, like his when she rescued him, and he's like, "Who are you, the Queen of England?" And I was like, "Oh no!" Oh, here we go. It was really, really bad. But also, who wrote that line for him? It was pretty not a great line. Um, but yeah, like back really quickly, not to jump too far back, but your point about the Watcher, I thought was he. It's such a good introduction to the series. I really liked how. He very quickly and briefly described what was supposed to happen right at the beginning mm-hmm. of it. He's like, right. You know, Nazis took over Germany. Steve Rogers underwent the, the procedure to become the super soldier. And Steve Rogers became Captain America and, you know, made the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And you're like, OK, cool. And he's like, but in this universe, this is the exact chain to, that led to that not happening. So it was really cool. I was hoping they would show us that moment in each episode where it diverged and the, he definitely walks you right up to that moment and that's mm-hmm. really cool really really cool it makes me excited to see what those moments are in different different shows different episodes i mean i saw a review where it talked about the next two episodes i don't know if you want to mention it at any point what they are the third the third one hasn't really been revealed in much detail um but the second yeah. one the second one is uh the t'challa as star lord Mm -hmm. the third one is apparently supposedly takes place during that week leading up to the first avengers right yeah i did i did see that much not much else has been revealed about it Mm -hmm. yeah and with each of those i'm excited to see what those moments are again that lead to everything diverging right like who makes who makes what choice to to lead to T'Challa being Star-Lord. Like that one to me is like, what what went wrong? Are they going to show that like Ego, like he's actually Ego's, like that far back, like he's actually Ego's son. Ego's son. And Mondu went to pick him up. Like, like is or that like, the change? Or like we just got that, the wrong kid. Yeah, or did he just pick up the wrong kid? So <laughs> um, I'm really interested to see what they've what they've got in store. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on the voice acting. I thought it was um I thought it was great in some places. Um the actor that filled in for Chris Evans for Steve Rogers was great. You could tell he was a seasoned voice actor. Um mm-hmm. I thought Haley Atwell did a really good job as Peggy. It was interesting seeing Bradley Whitford um return. He actually wasn't in the first Avenger, and he showed up in the Agent Carter one shot. Um, so it was kind of cool to see him return to the MCU in this fashion. I had to look up to see what character he was supposed to be playing because I didn't remember that from the one shot, and I knew it sounded like like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought maybe they had recast uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character because <laughs> he was like conspicuously missing from this, unless he unless he was kind of there at the transformation and you know got shot by the officer or something. I didn't I didn't catch that. Maybe, but I think that's just kind of an that's just a detail they kind of switched out. That's not really that important. Yeah. I mean, he's basically playing the same character. Um, right. 
but the entire time I'm watching it, I, I haven't seen that Agent Carter one shot in a while, and I haven't watched the series, but I I kept watching like, is that Bradley Whitford? And finally, at the, when the credits came up at the end, realized it was him. And yeah. it kind of looks like him too. Animated, yeah, it does but, look like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think of him as the villain from Billy Madison. That's yeah. the only reason I always recognize him. <laughs> yeah, he he was great in Cabin in the Woods too. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, glad to see. We're getting a, a an Agent Carter reference here as well. Yeah, that's a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Very deep cut. What did you think about the differences between Captain Carter and Captain America? For me, I felt that she seemed to have a lot more anger in her punches <laughs> than than Steve did. I mean, they they spent that whole. Falcon and the Winter Soldier series kind of telling us that, you know, the super soldier only worked for Steve Rogers because of the man he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get the sense that Peggy's like a little bit more of a soldier, a little bit more, um, you know, good hearted, but a little bit more rogue. I mean, she was really beaten on those people, wasn't she? Well, she she references herself as an agent, first right. and foremost. And then once she takes the serum, um, become or call, starts calling herself Captain Carter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that would make sense that she would have more of a military background than Steve does. Steve mm-hmm. just wanted to do good. And Peggy at- actually wanted to win the war. Yeah. Their goals are, are similarly aligned, but they're not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, like every speech that she gives is about winning the war. It's not about um, it's not about uh, taking or about saving people necessarily mm-hmm. it's a, steve's whole thing was i just don't like bullies pages is well nazis took over my my country yeah so like i think she has a little bit more of a vengeance against hydra than steve would it has a more personal vendetta against yeah hydra, i should say i would and agree they even, that, re- they, yeah. even, they even referenced that that uh they say that hydra has invaded norway and she said well yeah they, they're in london too right um but That's true. good catch. I I also thought it was kind. Of, I thought it was kind of weird that they referenced her to be selling war bonds, mm. dressing dressing a a British person up in a British outfit to sell war bonds. I to Americans was a little odd. Yeah, they probably were just they would just have her like act or something, you know. Yeah. Um, I do think with. With those differences and her more brutal fighting style, I don't think it was displayed anywhere stronger than the um, her first fight scene. Really, when all that that convoy is rolling up and she oh yeah <laughs> she kind of like there. snipes somebody with a shield like she's on top yeah. of the the archway <laughs> and she throws the shield like what appears to be about a mile and a half <laughs> takes someone <laughs> out and then I mean she flips the truck and she's just beating people senseless with that shield and like I I just kept thinking um you know spoilers for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier if you haven't seen that just kind of skip ahead 15 seconds but like with her beating people with the shield I just think of John Walker like you know in that that scene with the the bloodstained shield you know um, right and they don't spend too much time on it I mean these are literal Nazis so I mean it's hard to be too <laughs> too upset but it, it was right. interesting to see her more brutal fighting style compared to steve and part of that's the animation too you know like they can the action scenes were definitely way more over the top than they were in the first avenger in general yeah. 
None more so it, when she's flying on on Steve as the Hydra Stomper and they're like taking out planes. Oh, I love that action <laughs> it scene. So, it's it it's so almost good. like one shot going through the planes and like her and her like busting through the the cockpit. Yeah, it's just that was so cool. That was really cool. That that was my favorite action sequence of the of the episode for sure. And that, that's so something too. too that like I feel plus played a lot or with that jazz soundtrack in the background. Yeah. Yep. That was pretty great. Um, I also thought that, you know, that scene is something that probably wouldn't play that well in live action. You know, that's something no. unique to the animation, I think. I think we kind of really hit a lot of the, the negatives I had with it. You know, the, the biggest thing for me was the breakneck pace. Like, I, I felt like we never yeah. had a chance to breathe with any scene because they had to cover this entire film's plot. That's a what probably minutes. two hour and 20 minute film in 30 minutes. So. It's going to feel like that. I, I, my hope for the other episodes is they aren't this, you know, like I understand why this had to be just because it's very, very specific to that movie. But when, when we're in like something like Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, T'Challa and Peter Quill are people that aren't related. So T'Challa being Star Lord should mm-hmm. be vastly different than Peter Quill being Star Lord in a way that. Peggy Carter being Captain Carter versus Steve Rogers being Captain America really isn't as big of a leap, you know, like they, they knew each other. They had similar ideals. They had similar goals. They're both like, yes, we're here to destroy the Nazis. So naturally the plot would kind of lead down the same road, but I don't think it will for, you know, some of the other things we see. Well, I think that's, that's interesting. You say that because I, that's one of the things I like about the what if series is when we did our preview last week, we had two slightly different variations of what if yours was uh, what if Dr. Doom was the thing. My mine was what if Spider-Man was the Punisher and yours was a little different in the sense that your story kind of still came out the same way of the fantastic four forming. Yep. But, the Hulk just replaces the thing. Yeah, right? basically. So nothing really changes. Mine was different in the fact that Spider-Man or Peter Parker not following Ben's advice led to the creation of the Punisher in a very long-winded way and very brutal way. But I think what makes the What If series so great is that you can do stuff like that and kind of like retcon in how and go back into canon how things are. And I think with this series being canon, it, I don't want to say it detracts from what, what, what made what if great, but it just makes me question, like, is it really what if, if it really happens in this multiverse? Well, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, (laughs) they aren't hypotheticals because they're actually happening as branches of the universe that we know. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, I think the what if, title is more just a and just that you know a title just to call back something that's recognizable and but like but but to your point sorry i kind of got no you're good there um that in this one the only things that really change are that bucky doesn't become the winter soldier that as of now he doesn't because he starts falling off the train Paige grabs him and he said oh you almost pulled my arm off like that's an obvious winter soldier reference Mm -hmm. Um, he doesn't die. Steve doesn't die. And Patey gets sent to the future. 
that those are really the only main differences. Only well, because two, but you have you uh, one second. Go ahead. Because you just have one character swapped out for a very similar one, uh, like you had yes. with the Hulk and the Thing and Doom. Whereas mine is, whereas next week with uh, T'Challa replacing Star Lord is going to be, as you said, vastly different in the sense that, like you said, they don't, they're not related in any sort of way. Just as how my Peter Parker isn't necessarily related to Frank Castle in any way. Yeah. You see what exactly. I'm getting at? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gap the gap between T'Challa and Star-Lord is a lot wider than the gap between yes. Peggy and Steve. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my fear is that, you know, because it's presumably going to be, you know, Yondu still picks him up and kind of adopts mm-hmm. him and trains him that it will be similar. I'm hoping... I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, But if you kind of like think about the ripple effects for this universe, like it's pretty, it's pretty big. I mean, Peggy was one of the founders of shield and you could argue that Steve would just take her place. Right. Right. Howard created the Iron Man suit that early. So So like, would he refine that? Yeah. Would he refine that? And, you know, continue down the line um we didn't talk about the third act yet but red skull died so who's guarding the soul stone <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a good point <laughs> uh, um but yeah i didn't think I'm, about that one that's that's a good point <laughs> yeah so and what let, was that what, what was that like kraken or let's or talk about the that... third act let's talk about that third act because that i mean that was the basically the final action piece of this was the biggest difference you know aside from the the captain carter captain america switch Mm-hmm. The final action piece was was the biggest difference in that, you know, you don't have the captain and Red Skull fighting over the Tesseract, but, you know, Red Skull has a Tesseract, uses it to open a portal and summon some interdimensional beast. I don't know what this is. I mean, I've seen some people speculate that it's um, Shuma Gorath, which is kind of like a almost like a Cthulhu like figure in Marvel. Yeah that is rumored to appear in Doctor Strange. Um, and we don't see Peggy necessarily kill this thing, whatever it is, just slice off some tentacles. So we don't mm-hmm. know. Um, myself, I, I kind of just think it's supposed to be some representation of Hydra. You know, like you think of Hydras having like multiple necks or like tentacles, like almost like a dragon I was, squid type thing you know like i was uh, thinking the same thing because i mean schmidt references it as like the manifestation of hydra or like the yeah. champion of hydra so what would be more fitting than an actual hydra yeah um and to be to be frank schmidt's goals are different too in this slightly yeah yeah just i mean slightly. they mentioned that he would be okay with destroying the world and i don't think he ever wanted to do that i think he just wanted to rule it Right. Mm-hmm. But for this third act, I thought it was um, I thought it was cool. I mean, that's where I really got excited, because at that point, you're like, OK, things are really different. Like some. Yeah. Anything could happen here. Um, and it was cool to kind of see the reverse scenario play out. Like, even though things were so vastly different, Steve and Peggy still ended up separated by time, which is pretty tragic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I thought it was uh, funny how the decorative wall sword was sharp enough to slice through an interdimensional hydra. 
I got a chuckle out of that. It's, it's a cartoon. Let's just... I know. But what was funny to me is like people, so many people speculated. They were like, is that sword that she's holding Excalibur like before it oh my came? God. Before it. You know, uh, just a wall aired, decoration. And it's just a wall, like a wall decoration, basically. <laughs> so that was pretty fun to me. Um, and what did you think of the, uh, the end after she gets brought up into the future? I was I was pretty confused. I had to think about it for a while because the space stone, right, had never thrown someone through time. So that's what confused me. Like they're using the Tesseract um, to open this portal. And for some reason, Peggy travels 70 years into the future. Um, mm-hmm. But the way I kind of rationalize this in my head, and I don't know if they're going to explain it, but they did mention that the beast is a, that schmidt summoned was uh, an interdimensional beast so presumably he opened a portal to another dimension um, okay and that could be like a quantum realm thing or another dimension kind of like what strange um saw in his film like the dark dimension or something like that mm-hmm. um where basically time didn't pass for peggy or something like that and then fury kind of used the same technology to open a portal back to that either on purpose or accidentally yeah, that all seems re- that all seems reasonable. I didn't, I wasn't really sure what to think of it either, but I, I liked your take on it. Yeah, it, it whatever it is, it seems to be that same multiverse, right, or that same universe within the multiverse because Hawkeye recognized her as Captain Carter. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems like she's kind of a like an urban legend. Maybe he's in the same role as Coulson is with captain america like just a fanboy of her (laughs) oh yeah maybe we'll we'll see i i would expect we'll pick up this thread at some point um in the trailers for the show itself we did see captain carter interacting with dr strange so we know that's something that's gonna come at some point Mm -hmm. um but we just don't know when where they're they're it shows me that there's going to be some connective thread between these different universes that we're seeing. And we've so kind of speculated getting, about that team team up. Right. So we're getting roughly nine episodes. It's nine episodes, I believe. Yeah. Right. It was originally and 10 the, because of the pandemic. They actually pushed one of the episodes into next season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. So I wonder if the... I wonder if like the first three or four episodes will be um, will be like introductions to all of these uh, other scenarios. And then the back half is when we start to see everything tied together. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see that at all. That would that would make a lot of sense. And, you know, with our earlier comments about the T'Challa Star-Lord character being the next episode, being the introduction mm-hmm. for that character and some of the mm-hmm. stuff that's going on with the Ravagers makes a lot of sense. And apparently the third episode gets really dark, which is what what if can really the what if series could really do in the past where characters can die without any sort of repercussions. Mm-hmm. And there basically are no content. There are consequences to actions, but in larger steam, there aren't any. Um, so I'm curious to see just how dark the series is. Yeah, to get. I've um. I won't talk about them, but I did see some leaks about the third episode. Um, okay. Unintentionally, but um, not not stuff that came out in like official impressions or, you know, spoiler free reviews. So I'll refrain from talking about that on there. But what I will say is that it, it does seem accurate that it, things get dark in the episode. So 
So uh, I guess buckle up, huh? Yeah, I mean, Brian Andrews isn't afraid to get dark in his animation. I mean, he's one of Gendry, Gendry, Gendy Tartakovsky's guys uh, in just about everything that he Tartakovsky works on between Samurai Jack, Primal, uh, Dexter's Lab, yeah, uh, the Powerpuff Girls. Like, I mean, some of that stuff was pretty dark when yeah. we were kids. The Cartoon Network wasn't afraid to to get weird. And I mean, he's he's worked on a lot of Marvel's art department stuff, but coming from Tartakovsky's realm, it wouldn't shock me if he wants to kind of put that spin on on Marvel's animation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not be surprised. So, uh, any other any other thoughts on this premiere episode of What If before we wrap? Uh, no. Um. I, I hope it can only go up from here. I, I didn't hate this. It, it, this wasn't my favorite thing I've seen the studio put out, but um, I hope it gets better. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I thought it was pretty good. It's a good start. Like, that's where, I, a... yeah. If I had to, if I had to guess, I would say they threw us into something that's really familiar to kick off this series, right? If you started with something that's too out there, it would be kind of hard to attract attract mm-hmm. people to it so i i think i think this was the right episode to start with and i'm i'm with you and hoping that it, it goes up from here all right so that brings us to the end of our show um stay tuned this week we'll also be releasing a a bonus episode uh jared you and i watched the suicide squad over oh, the last few yes. days and we're gonna we're gonna just have a little little discussion and a short brief review about that one so so stay tuned if you you know, if you're able to to listen to that one, give it a shot. Uh, we'll be discussing our our first foray into the DCEU. So, <laughs> so make sure to join us for that. And we will be back next week with our uh, review of the second episode of What If. All right. Thanks for listening. For Jared, I'm John. We'll see you next time.